is sponsored by BetterHelp and NeuroGum and Mints, buddy. Hey, Chris, what's in your mouth, man? So, dude, I've actually got one of these NeuroMints in right now. I know you do, and you're all about these NeuroGum and Mints. Me too. I absolutely love it. I've turned on three friends to NeuroGum and Mints. They're completely addicted to the cinnamon mints. I'm not going to lie. I really like the cinnamon. I'm working on one of these peppermint ones right now. Hold on. Say cinnamon with the Nero gum and mints in your mouth. <laughs> cinnamon. How's that? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I love this stuff. It was developed by former athletes training at the highest level who didn't want to take mysterious supplements or energy drinks while studying, training, or going out. Instead, they wanted something that was effective, that gave them this clean, balanced energy that could be taken anywhere, anytime. And Chris, I know you're a huge fan of Nero Gum and Mints. Yeah, you know, it's so funny. So I've been doing a lot of these, um, a lot of these charity events, especially because I've got my own nonprofit and everything. And I found myself, because a lot of times you're in the evening, but I'm starting to slow down a little bit then. But when I, I can pop one of these in, because everybody kind of talks really close at these events. So I got a little caffeine kick. So it, it picks me up a little bit. So I'm a little bit more alert and focused. But at the same time, I'm not worried about these people talking really close to me because my breath is amazing. <laughs> Look at you, man. Two for one. Right. Go to tryneurogum.com slash I needed that. That's tryneurogum.com slash I needed that to enjoy calm, focus, and energy whenever you need it. We've got a link for you in the show notes, too. Uh, in the show notes, too. Uh, hey, take that man out of your mouth. Let's talk about better help for just a couple of minutes, mm. man. Both of us have talked extensively about our own therapy journeys and the importance of this. And somebody said something to me yesterday that I thought was so powerful, dude. You ready for this? Yeah. For people who are struggling with anything in their life, I would tell them to go to therapy before I would tell them to do anything else. Yes, I agree. Um, 100%. I mean, unless unless they're struggling with a physical injury, you know, like then, then go to your doctor. But, but yeah, if, right. if you're struggling with anything as far as your emotions, your feelings, a thousand percent, just being able to talk through it, it, it is almost like triage, if you will, for your emotions. There you go, man. Get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash I needed that. BetterHelp is the world's largest therapy service. It's 100% online. To get started, you just answer a couple of questions about your needs and preferences and therapy. And then like Chris said, you can go ahead and schedule online. If you're not vibing with somebody, you can select somebody different. But the, the only important part is that you start. You get in here and you get going. So 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash I I needed that. That's better help H-E-L-P.com slash I needed that. Should we do a podcast, buddy? Yeah, dude. Let's go, man. I'm excited. I needed that. I'm down for that. I think that's cool. Well, Chris's podcast, I needed that, co-hosted by Matthew Blades, is available on all streaming platforms, everybody. Again, we're talking with Rachel from season five of my show. And we tend to do that a lot with a ton of things, is like try to pass on ownership. You know, I'm a confident badass woman. That's what I say to myself. I just stopped feeling like you anymore. I remember looking at myself in the mirror and I'm like, who is this chick? I am MIA and I, I need to get myself back. We're both so excited for today's episode because of the people we get to serve today. That's going to make some sense in a minute. How are you, Chris? I'm doing great. In fact, I'm doing even better right now because I'm so excited about this guest. Yeah? Yes. How are you doing, buddy? Good. Can we acknowledge Can we acknowledge the jersey? This is not something I would typically wear uh, during a, any part of my life, but <laughs> I'm just not it, a jersey guy. <laughs> it looks good on you. But, dude, I'm excited. Arizona Diamondbacks in the World Series. This I know. This is very, very exciting. It's incredibly exciting. I mean, last time we were here was 
It was a while ago. Yeah. <laughs> it was Quinc- a long time Coincidentally, ago. our guest um, is a Houston Astros fan. As you know, the Astros were beat by the Rangers, and so I would think she, too, now would be an Arizona Diamondbacks fan. Yes, we are going to seek revenge for her. Is that how <laughs> I, I hope she appreciates that, yes. I'm so excited to bring her in, and we're going to do that in just one second. Um, how are things coming along with the app? So far, so good, man. I, I love that people are understanding the concept behind it, and, and they're starting to change the conversation around transformation. So um, we're, we're having a blast with this, and well, I love it. What's so, your favorite part of the app? Like, if you, It's got so many different functions, but which one do you love the most? Uh, well, of course, it would be the, the concept is around the streaks, which is really about keeping, you keep that kept flame going, which is about keeping that daily streak. Keep that kept the flame kept going? Flame. You've been holding on to that this whole time? Yes, yes. Well, And you know what? It wasn't even me that named it. It was actually some of our customers like, oh, it's a kept flame. It's like, yes, you keep the flame alive. And, it, and by keeping those daily promises, and as long as you, you keep your focus down and you, you just focus on keeping those promises every single day, one week, two weeks, a month in, you look back and you go, wow, I've really, I've made a difference in my life. All right. Yeah, it's Watch been fun. Watch this segue. Speaking of flames that make people hot, one <laughs> of the side effects of menopause are those nasty little things called hot flashes. And that is the number one reason I'm excited to bring in our next guest because my mother-in-law has just had a real struggle with menopause and hot flashes. Like it's just been happening for so many years and I'm hoping to hear something today that I can share with her. So you want to introduce her as I bring her in? A thousand percent. So I am so excited to introduce Dr. Mary Claire Haver, who I'm going to go so far as to say you have become the utmost authority on menopause, hormone replacement therapy. And, you know, and I, I do need to say this before we even, before we, uh, we, we mentioned this, but uh, Matthew, you're 50, I'm 45. So all of our friends and our family and our, our sisters and a lot of our moms or mothers-in-laws, they're on the tail end of this or they've gone through it and et cetera. The moment I get about halfway through the name, Dr. Mary Claire, they go, Haver, oh my gosh, I love her. You're going to have her on the show, I said. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, we are. <laughs> so, Dr. Haver, it is so wonderful to finally have you on the show. Well, it is so awesome to be here with you guys. I'm so excited to share everything I can and answer any questions. This is going to be the wildest podcast you've ever been on. I promise you that. We're going to have a little bit of fun at the end, too. So don't don't go anywhere, all right? Even if we get boring, just hang in there with us because we're going to finish strong. And I'm glad you want to answer questions because I have two full pages of them all from she said, Bring family it on, Chris. and friends. And oh my gosh, it is the coolest thing because um, I do a Q&A on a regular basis on my, on my Instagram mm-hmm. and, and questions come pouring in. And again, when I've mentioned your name and I've tagged you a few times and I really appreciate mm-hmm. you resharing that, but boy, my followers are so excited. And so they've sent in a ton of questions and I've got a bunch of them here. So if you don't mind, I mean, I'm, I'm ready to dive in whenever oh, you guys listen, are, but I can't wait Fantastic. because as I mentioned earlier, my mother-in-law has been dealing with menopause for, for a number of years now. And it came up the other day at our house. They were ironically over to watch the Diamondbacks game. And my boys who are 15 and 17 made the great mistake of asking my um, mother-in-law to explain menopause. And she is such a amazing person. She minces no words. She holds nothing back. And boy, did she walk them through the explanation, the medical explanation of menopause. And I don't think my boys will ever ask that question again. I don't think. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I think that these are conversations that need to be had. Yeah, I loved it. Hats off to her for doing it right? and not hiding it. And that all of us, if you're good, you know, every single woman, if she lives long enough, is going to go through 
her own menopause journey. It's not optional. And so, so that our loved ones, our family members, those in our life who physically won't go through it is so important. So your boys are so far ahead of the game and they're going to be better partners, better loved ones, better coworkers now because she did that for them. Yeah. yeah. I feel the same way. I was so happy that she walked through the whole thing detail by detail. So I think the first question that you have to ask, because we have some male listeners who check out our podcast too, but what is menopause? When does it come about? We know the word. We hear it all the time. Break it down. Right. For us. So menopause met the medical definition is one year after a woman's last menstrual period. It's one day in her life. It's her menopause begins now. Um, what it represents from an endocrine standpoint is the end of any sex hormone production from her ovaries. So basically we're all born, uh, females are born with all of their there are our gonads are set. We have all of our eggs. Okay. And they start deteriorating and we start ovulating. They deteriorate from day one. We start ovulating 12, 13, 14, somewhere in there. And then when we get to the end of the supply, we're done. They don't come back. You know, we get a little bit of testosterone production from the adrenals, but, and we get a little bit of different types of estrogen in other parts of the body, but really the main source, the juiciest part of estrogen in our bodies is gone. And then we've got to live the next 30 years until we die without it, unless we replace it in some point, which is optional. And so the average age of that happening is 51, mm. but normal is still 45 to 55. So there's a lot of variation, you know, amongst, amongst females as to when this process actually happens. And then to kind of make the picture even more confusing, perimenopause is when your body's starting to realize, Hey, something ain't right. You know, the signs of estrogen deprivation start happening before the ovulation begins. And that could be an additional seven to 10 years. So it's completely reasonable for a woman somewhere in her thirties, definitely in her forties to begin showing signs of this transition. And what do those signs look like and what do they feel like and how do they differ from person to person? So that's another great question. You know, he's full of these things. These great questions. He's full of them. And physicians love you know, if it walks like a duck, it sounds like a duck. You know, we're set, we're taught a list of symptoms and it, you know, where's the duck? What right. is the menopause duck? And so forever and ever and ever, and this is what I was taught. We thought it was hot flashes, night sweats, you know, um, changes to our bones, osteoporosis, changes to our genital urinary system. And that was, that was kind of about it. And some of those symptoms would improve with time and some would continue to deteriorate as, as we aged. But it turns out the duck's a lot more complicated. There's multiple organ systems affected. It affects our brains, our, our skin, our kidneys, our lungs. Our, there's not a single organ system that is not affected because we have estrogen and testosterone receptors just about everywhere in our body. And when we take those hormones away, so the, the symptomatology can be really different from woman to woman, where mine was hot flashes, night sweats, a lot of emotional changes. Another woman's might be uh, creaky joints, frozen shoulder, massive headaches, you know, so it really is different from woman to woman. Okay. So, so as, as a woman starts to experience some of these symptoms, mm -hmm. what are some of the first things that she can do to maybe alleviate some of the symptoms or forward thinking, say, this is about to happen. I mean, I hate to use the word damage control, but like what kind well, of, what can we do for, for damage no. control to, to at least maintain a good quality of life? So one of the things that there's another, there's a few physicians in this space that I just absolutely adore. And one is Sharon Malone. She's kind of who I look up to for like the best information in menopause. And she tells me, 
how you show up in your perimenopause is going to define the course of your menopause as far as how bad your symptoms are. Now, this is a caveat. Even with perfect nutrition, exercise, every supplement in the world, you may still have horrible symptoms. And so, but in general, you know, good, well-rounded nutrition, a regular exercise program that incorporates cardiovascular plus strength training, you know, supplementation if there's any gaps in your nutrition, stress reduction, a great sleep schedule. All of this is going to help you prevent some of the, you know, hopefully alleviate or at least attenuate some of the symptoms that you might have. You just answered my next question, which is like, what are the foundational like lifestyle pillars yeah. that we can start to work so, on? Um, in, in my new book, the, the New Menopause, I talk about menopause care in terms of a toolkit. Everybody rushes to hormone therapy and, and it's so important and I'm happy to discuss that in detail. But, but again, it's only the, the best thing in the world I could do is to have you never go through menopause. Just keep your 25-year-old ovaries <laughs> pumping forever, okay? Well, that just doesn't happen in, in, in our species. Right. So- so hormone therapy is a decent substitute for that, but it's not perfect. And so you must do all the other things. You must pay attention to your nutrition. You must optimize your sleep. You must work on your stress. You consider supplements if you have gaps or there's a few supplements that make the additive to good nutrition. And so all, and then find a community, you know, talk about these things, make sure the world knows what's going on here so that we can all, you know, there's no shame around it. Remove the stigma, get the government to spend more money researching menopause so that we can all be as healthy as we can as we age. Isn't it nuts, man? And and Dr. Avery, you probably have seen this in your practice too. It's like, it doesn't matter what doctor we interview. doesn't matter what their specialty is. Sleep, exercise, diet, stress management. Literally stress management shows up. You know, in medical school and training, we don't get a lot of education around a lot of that stuff. Right. I went back to school to learn about nutrition after my MD. And so, you know, it's tough because these are just as important pillars of care as pharmacology, which we know extensively. Right. And it we got to do a better job, I think. We need more holistic training in our, in our medical schools and residencies across sure. the board. It's a big machine to move though, but nevertheless, I I know there's a, most of the doctors that we have interviewed here that are really, again, they're, they're, they're uh, thought leaders in their space. They're always continuing their education beyond, you know, the, the PhD or the MD. Um, It also kind of begs the question also for any woman who's starting to experience these symptoms, how does she know the difference between she's Mm. going through normal, healthy menopause or there might be a more serious underlying condition here that she really needs to get checked out. So I think that's where having a, medic, a menopause-informed practitioner, you know, whether it's a nurse practitioner or, you know, and those are hard to find, by the way, because we're not doing a great job training our medical students, our residents. I was not a great menopause provider for probably 15 years. And so that's my job. When a patient comes to me and she's got X, Y, Z, you know, da, 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 this constellation of symptoms. Sure. This might all be related to her menopause, but I need to make sure, is it anemia? Is there a nutritional deficiency? Is this so autoimmune disease? Is this psoriatic arthritis? Is this lupus? Is, you know, so when I'm doing blood work, that it, those are the things I'm trying to hunt down to make sure I'm not missing something that kind of looks like perimenopause in a lot of ways, but actually has a different cause. Yeah. Can I ask really quick, like how often does that happen? How often does somebody come in and they're like, you know what? I think I got menopause. And then they end up with lupus or there's something in my clinic where I'm seeing only menopausal patients somewhere. So, so say most of my patients are 35, 45 plus. Okay. Yeah. Um, I would say 10% of the time I will pick up 
something along with their menopause, like a lot of times hypothyroidism or hyper, I'll pick up, you know, I've had probably three or four patients in two years that I picked up an autoimmune disease as well. Um, 80% of my patients have a vitamin D deficiency. We're just not absorbing. Yeah. And so a lot of anemia out there for different causes, B12 deficiencies. So, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on at the same time. We are aging as well as, you know, our endocrine aging is much faster for, for females than our, the regular part of our cellular aging. But, you know, I'm trying to be complete when they're in my clinic. Are vitamins D and B12 good things for women to be talking to their doctors about? So I think it's worth the conversation, especially, okay. you know, fatigue. 78% of women who are in postmenopause are complaining of fatigue versus 30% in premenopause. Mm. And so we know that there's a hormonal component, but lots of things cause fatigue. So those are, yes, I'm checking B12 levels. I'm checking homocysteine. I'm checking for overall anemia. You know, I'm, I'm trying to make sure I'm getting... I hate to say root cause. I think it's misused, but do the root cause when it works. When it's the right thing, it's the right thing to use. Yeah, absolutely. So, which actually speaking about vitamin B and vitamin D, I think it's a a perfect segue into. And you mentioned supplements, and I know a lot of people go, "Oh, supplements! I'm just going to run straight to that." Let's Mm -hmm. make this clear first. We also, we all, she also made it very clear that the foundational pillars of stress management, sleep, nutrition, exercise, those those kind of set the foundation, but. When we do talk supplements, what are some supplements that women should start to educate themselves on when it comes to alleviating the symptoms of menopause? Sure. So um, I think overall health in general, you know, vitamin D is a key pillar. Making sure you're getting enough fiber in your diet is a key pillar. Mm. Um, For alleviating menopausal symptoms, there's been a lot of studies and they're really, really inconclusive. The Menopause Society just came out with a whole new treatise on non-hormonal options for, for basically hot flashes. So hot flashes and night sweats. Remember, menopause affects all the organ systems. And when you take hormone therapy off the table, either through choice or you just can't have it because of a medical condition, then we really have to look at symptom by symptom and address them individually. So if we're talking hot flashes, you know, the menopause society is saying black cohosh, meh, might help a little bit. You know, soy-based products might help a little bit. They're not routinely recommending them, but there are a few patients who may see some success with is it because of the high estrogen levels in soy? Uh. So it's called phytoestrogens. Lots and lots of foods have phytoestrogens in them. So these are chemical components naturally found in things that we eat or ingest that have estrogen-like properties. They weakly bind to the estrogen receptor. So that you will see some alleviation of symptoms in some patients, but it's not universal. So as far as helping out Matthew's mother-in-law, <laughs> so she's been suffering. I mean, how long has she been, how old is she now? And she's still experiencing hot flashes. Yeah, I would, I mean, it seems like longer than it should. I mean, that's, that's what I'll so, answer right, without, um, without outing seven her years, Seven years is the average and we, but it could go on for decades. I mean, decades. Uh, most women will be done by year 14 when, you know, of hot flashes, which just seems like an eternity to me to suffer because they are so disruptive. And we know now that people who suffer severe hot flashes, like life disrupting hot flashes have a higher risk of dementia and a higher risk of cardiovascular disease. And they're now we're doing the research to see, is it the chicken or the egg? Is it the hot flashes causing it? Or, or is it, you know, you're just having hot flashes because you're higher risk for these other things because you have poor blood flow. Um, I have a question in the back. Yeah. <laughs> it seems like a really good time to just have this conversation with you right now, which is, okay, 
I'm, I get it. I'm in menopause uh, and I'm having hot flashes. What the hell can I do to calm these things down? Is there yeah. things? So let's go so there really quick the and just best thing out. that's going to work almost 100% of the time that actually is safe for the vast majority of patients is going to be giving you back the water you were drinking, just giving you back the estrogen that right. your that nature took away. That is going to be the number one treatment. Perfect and transition. nothing works better for hot flashes than that. Now, there are, are other pharmaceutical options out there that are non-hormonal that do work, not as well. Uh, Vioza is the brand new one that just came out. Um, Super Bowl commercial, uh, a lot of your followers may have seen it there. Unfortunately, it's not covered by insurance yet. And it is, I think, $550 wholesale cost Holy smokes. a month. Wow. So I don't have a single patient who can afford it. Um, you know, they'd rather pay their house note or their car note. And they'll, you know, we look for an estrogen therapy. You can literally 10 to $20 a month generic is, and that's what most of my patients go for. All right. So I'm, I'm glad we're going here because I know everyone who's been listening and I know all, of course, all of my friends and a lot of my, my followers, followers, they're waiting for this, the transition of this conversation into hormone (laughs) replacement therapy. Mm -hmm. So we've kind of skirted around it a little bit. Let's dive in. Sure. So the ovaries shut down. Go and add ovaries shut down. Yeah. And so remember that you we were producing low levels of estradiol, beta estradiol, uh, throughout our cycle, which surged at ovulation, then kind of dipped back down to its basement level, and that would look like an EKG every month, right? For a normal cycling woman, right? Um, and then at, we had kind of a mirror of that with progesterone towards the end of the cycle, like after estrogen surges, then our corpus luteum, all these fancy terms, would surge progesterone in the second half of our cycle. And then we, we had a fairly steady state of testosterone production from the ovaries, a little bit of a surge at ovulation to help us get pregnant, you know, we think from an evolutionary standpoint. Um, and so when that gets taken away, so when we talk about hormone replacement, we I kind of address each sex hormone separately. So we have estrogens, we have progesterone, progestogens, and then we have androgens, which includes DHEA, testosterone, and interstitial And so pretty much all the research and when we talk about hot flashes and what we always thought of as the traditional symptoms of menopause, we're talking about estrogen, giving you back that estrogen. And so there's different formulations. So we have the body identical ones, which are very, very popular. And it is chemically identical to what our ovaries made. That is what I tend to stick to. And I have lots and lots of options for patients. And then we talk about how to put it in your body. Okay, so estrogen can be taken in a pill, given in a shot, rubbed in with a cream, put in a ring, put in the vagina. You know, um, you have patches now that that you can wear. And so when I talk to patients about it, I'm talking oral versus non-oral. Okay, and there's different risks associated with those. So oral tends to carry a higher risk for blood clots because of this first pass effect of the liver. Anything we ingest goes to the liver for processing. And when that bump of estrogen hits, it can upregulate some of our clotting factors. So a lot of women have been told you can't take hormones because you've had a blood clot or your family history of clotting or, you know, uh, migraines with aura. But turns out, as long as you go with a non-oral formulation like a patch or a ring or a gel or a cream, you're not going to increase that risk at all. So then in progestogens, we have same thing. We have some synthetic versions, and then we have the bioidentical one, which is just progesterone. And that one's a little bit special in that 
there's creams with progesterone and the progesterone is a humongous molecule and it does not pass through the skin very well. Mm. And so um, it took them a while to figure out they had to micronize the formulation, but now we have an oral micronized progesterone that has very low risk and beautiful absorption. Wow. Um, and then for testosterone, that gets even stickier because the FDA won't approve the version for women. So we have a lot of workarounds to replace someone's testosterone in a woman. Wow. So again, there's pills, there's shots, there's gels, there's creams. Never want to do oral for testosterone pretty much for the same reasons. It really messes up with our uh, lipid profiles. Um, and so most doctors who know what they're doing will do a non-oral option for testosterone. Um, I tend to do creams uh, compounded at local pharmacies for my patients. Got it. Okay. So is it three different treatments then? So, okay. Yeah. So not, if yes. you have, if you're talking about menopause hormone therapy, it starts with estrogen. Okay. If you have a uterus still without an IUD and without a progesterone IUD in it, progesterone is not optional. Okay. Mm. If you've had a hysterectomy, you have this IUD, it's an option. Ah. Progesterone can be really helpful for sleep and anxiety in some patients, um, especially at night if they're having racing thoughts at night or waking up at two or three in the morning and can't turn it off to go to bed. If they've had a hysterectomy and we hadn't started them on progesterone, I will often add it. Testosterone is not something we're routine. Some docs are, I'm not one of them who will just, okay, everybody gets testosterone. I have a very focused conversation. We know what works for hypoactive sexual desire disorder, which lay people would call libido. Right. Um, I want to make sure I'm not missing another form of sexual dysfunction. So I have a long conversation about that. I'm using it off label for low muscle mass, you know, which is totally linked to frailty and dysfunction and osteoporosis. So I'm really worried about those patients because I have a machine in my office to measure muscle mass um, for my, you know, so I'm, I can get really granular and specific. New study came out this month showing that testosterone supplementation is protective against breast cancer. So there's a lot of promising stuff coming out about testosterone. And I think it's just as important of a hormone as estrogen is in a, in a female body. Isn't that something? And the irony of it is that for years they're saying, oh, it'll increase your risk of cancer. And then sure enough, with, with some of the latest research, they're saying, oh, oops, sorry. It's, and it's, now <laughs> so many of you have suffered for 30 to 40 years. You could I think we have it. a whole generation of women who have suffered needlessly and shortened their lives. Um, and they were living frailer, less robust, less, you know, less functional lives as, mm. as a result of the option of hormone therapy or even that discussion being taken off the table. And, but this is why we appreciate you and your mission because you are helping millions of women out there and you are educating well, guys too, honestly, because I'm understanding this completely differently now. Yeah. Yeah, but there's so many people out there, so many women that are suffering and you're giving them hope. So, so speaking yeah. of hope, yeah, and you're, and you're right. I mean, like, th think about all, all, the, all the family members and, and the, the uh, spouses and Yeah, because guess what? If you're in any are, kind of relationship and she's going through it, you're going through it too. thousand percent. And I swear, you know, my social media exploded when I started validating, when I started talking about, you know, it's not like I woke up and decided that frozen shoulder must be a part of menopause. 10,000 people asked me on social media. I wasn't seeing enough patients in clinic to be able to see the patterns evolving. Like my, uh, my practice and my understanding of menopause has evolved as the conversation has exploded on social media and helping me understand this is much, much bigger than what we thought. 
Yes, absolutely. Do you mind? Yes. Oh my gosh, jump in here. Okay. So um, we've had this conversation around, uh, you know, losing weight and stuff and that terrible Mm -hmm. advice out there of eat less, move more. (laughs) And then we've talked to money people and they say, you know, spend less, save more. It's like, okay, it's, it's a tiny bit helpful, but it really doesn't help me at all. Um, what are some of those things out there with regard to menopause, some things that people say a lot and they're not very helpful. So, um, I was taught this. I said this for years. Again, part of me being a terrible menopause practitioner was the eat less, move more. That's all we were taught in med school. You know, we didn't learn anything really about nutrition or quality of nutrition or leptin and ghrelin and PPY and GLP-1 and all these hormones that control hunger and satiety and how our brain reacts around food and how and where, you know, cortisol and how we store fat. And so that really took me going back to school to like break this all down. But like, to be honest, I still have to have a conversation with myself when I look at a scale, you know, that, that, that number on the scale does not represent your health. And that I was so tied to that. I, I, I was under this impression that I was healthy because I weighed a certain thing, um, because I was considered to be thin and that I really did myself a disservice for 20 years, focusing on cardio and not picking up weights. Um, and that, that muscle mass would have served me so much better at this age and beyond, um, Mm. than it would have. So the conversation I have now with patients is around body composition. So we talk about loss of muscle mass and gaining fat. I don't care if you rock that, rock those hips, you know, I'm like, that is that subcutaneous fat, if it's in modest amounts, makes you beautiful, makes you who you are. That's your genetics. I'm like, what we're worried about is the intra-abdominal fat, the visceral fat. That is the fat linked to inflammation and hypertension and diabetes and stroke and cancer. And so the, that's the kind of fat. And that fat does not, yes, if I starved you and locked you in a cage, you would lose it, but you'd also lose your mind and everything else. But it does respond to fiber intake and sleep and cortisol and you know all the things in the toolkit that we talk about. Mm, yeah. So, so I got a question for you and I had the most incredible professor in the university and he was always talking about when you we were talking about hormones like testosterone, he, would, he called it a hormone of accommodation and that the more testosterone your body produces and the more you have in it, the more muscle you can accommodate. And so, and granted, of course, it's, it's going to, she's gonna, not all in there, Chris. She's re- not okay, all in with it's your require stimulus. It's going to require a stimulus. And then of course, after that stimulus, then you, of course, you have to be in, you know, the, we can talk. Um, you know, a protein synthesis and we can talk, um, mm-hmm. mTOR and everything like that. Nevertheless, um, what, where I'm going with this is the rapid drop of testosterone. And, and it is, would you say that is directly linked to obviously the sarcopenia post like during yeah. and post menopause? I don't even know what you just asked. Sar- sarcopenia is just muscle, muscle, oh. it's muscle loss mass of- loss with age yes. to, to the point where they become frail. So it's yes. like a continuum and it becomes sarcopenic <laughs> when they basically break, yes. you know? And, but it starts like it starts at 30 for women, but it accelerates dramatically in perimenopause. Even if the scale's staying the same and everyone's like, oh yeah, you're fine. You haven't gained any weight. You are losing muscle <clears> mass and you're putting on fat in new places. Right. And so protein intake at the right amounts, you know, resistance training on regular basis, you know, and keeping those testosterone levels supported seem to be, you know, also creatine. There's some great studies on menopausal women and creatine supplementation. Super excited about that, um, that are showing, but you have to do the work, you know, you have to eat the protein and you have to and provide the stimulus or not, what, you can take all the creatine you want. Nothing's going to happen. And that's where I was going with this. So, so like what speaking, speaking with a woman who's in her thirties, you're saying, okay, 
get after it. Start resistance training, eat more protein. So yeah, there's a pretty good Cochrane review that looked at women and then followed them through perimenopause and menopause. It looks like three days a week, you know, push, pull and core um, for, for resistance training. So, you know, either upper body, lower body, however that breaks up to you, but three days of hit every part of your body within the week of resistance training with progressive load seems to be the magic to help keep you strong and get you out of the risk of osteoporosis, so, you know, outside of like having some endocrinological issue. Absolutely. So what would you say to a woman who's well into menopause and she didn't do that? It's She's, never too late. It's never too late. So what does she do? So I advise them to don't try to do this on your own. You know, I can't do this on my own without getting injured. Okay. Injury is a huge thing for us. And hire someone, find someone to help you get started, to give you the exercises, to guide you through the proper technique. Let's talk about protein intake. Turns out the WHI, which was the big study done in 2002, they followed those women. And the women who ate 1.3 grams, you know, the the Institute of Medicine is recommending 0.8 grams of protein per kilogram of healthy body weight for women, for adults. And I'm like, well, in the WHI, if they had 1.3, naturally, they weren't on a diet. That's just what they ate. They actually had 34% lower frailty scores. And the ones who had 1.6 had the highest muscle mass. So it all works together. So when I'm doing protein recs for my patients, again, they're mostly menopause, you know, somewhere in their menopause journey, I'm starting at 1.3. Now, are they swimming upstream because they don't have hormones? They don't have their estrogen and their testosterone and their progesterone? It's it, you just get in this negative feedback cycle where they're not getting enough protein. They kind of got away with it before the hormone, you know, debacle. Right. And they were kind of maintaining most of them. And then when you take the hormones away, then the whole thing just crashes. Right. So would you recommend that a woman speak, obviously, with their practitioner about the hormone replacement therapy while they're doing all of this? I think 100% of women deserve the conversation. And the decision to start is individual based on her risk, benefits, needs, wants, but every single woman deserves the conversation. Okay. Good. You know, I, I was going to say, what, what disqualifies, what disqualifies them? You just listed it. Yeah. How does a, how does a woman know if like the person that she's talking to about menopause doesn't Ooh. get her, doesn't get Ooh. her case, doesn't, yeah. so, you know, unfortunately that's going to be most OBGYNs today. They weren't trained. Um, my year, I finished in 2002. That was the year the WHI came out. So we were the last class who was ever even trained in hormone replacement therapy. And I kind of got scared to death of it for a long time because of that study. So some resources um, on our website um, right now, it's galvesondiet.com. We have testimonials provided by my followers who had great menopause provider experiences and they wrote testimonials and we looked up the docs and put, put their websites. So you can go maybe, you know, try that. That's a good the, idea. A menopause society. I'm sir. I'm a certified menopause provider from what used to be North American menopause society. Now they're the menopause society. Uh, <laughs> they just rebranded. So, you know, try to find a menopause certified provider through them. Again, I can't guarantee you they'll be, you know, your, your best friend, but at least it's somewhere to start. And don't assume that your awesome OB-GYN who delivered your babies and did, took care of your reproductive needs is going to be a great menopause provider. They are under so much pressure to see more patients. You got 15 minutes there, you know, that it's really hard to be a great menopause provider on top of doing all the basic OB-GYN stuff. So you may right. have to look outside the box a little bit. Where are you headed next? Cause I want to, well, I want to ask about men and some of the stuff that we can do and learn. And absolutely. I, I was actually just going to tag onto what she was just talking okay, about. Let's there. keep going. Then, and, and, sure. and actually your question with a little story last week, 
it was funny because a friend of mine, I was just talking with her and I said, well, have you talked to your doctor about HRT, hormone replacement therapy? She goes, I, I brought it up and immediately the doctor said, no way, cancer. And that was the end of the discussion. And, and I said, you need to go find another doctor. <laughs> so I'm yeah. glad you just so, said that because. Still, I oh. mean, there's been some great surveys where they looked at ob providers and like over 80% did not feel comfortable discussing hormone replacement therapy with their patients. Like oh. did not feel that they were, at, they were adequately trained to take oh. care of menopause. Okay. And that oh. still is going on today. I'm so sorry. One more, one more final question. And then we'll talk about yeah, that. Go, so for it, sorry. go for it. You guys geek so, out. I love this stuff. So where's the first place a woman, she's listening to this and she goes, my doctor said no. Where can she go? Is a okay. Google Mexico. search? So, so, yeah. so go <laughs> to the Menopause Society yeah, exactly. website. Where, where, so where first, you? go to the Menopause Society website. It's okay. menopause.org and look under, they have, look, click on providers, you know, certified providers. See if there's someone in your area. Call ahead and make sure they're taking new patients. Do they actually discuss hormone therapy? Even if they're certified does not mean that they, you know, will do that. Talk to your friends, see what they've got going on. Go to our website, see what we have going on. And then now there are some really good online telemedicine options out there that I feel like, you know, I think in-person is best, but this is the next best thing. And I think, and they're providing really good care. I've read their, there's a couple that I really like and they don't pay me to say any of this. I'm not sponsored, but you know, there's MIDI health is really good and they do take insurance. They're not in every state yet. Alloy is great. And ever now alloy health and ever now are, are all like built to take care of menopausal women. They saw the pain point. These were all, they're run by women who saw a need in this market and develop these telemedicine options for patients. So good I think those are great. This is great. It's I, awesome. I'm, I'm loving all of this. I just, well, and we'll do everybody that's listening yeah. a huge favor and our, on our pro, uh, podcast manager, Odette, she's going to go through and she's going to link every single thing that she just said in our show notes. So yes. if you heard something like, oh, I can't remember, don't worry about it. We'll, we'll have it in the show notes. <laughs> It'll be there for you to click and uh, link on. You mind if I jump in? Jump in. Let's go. All right, cool. So oh, we talked about this earlier as the women in our lives are going through this. So are there partners, if they're any kind of partner, mm-hmm. um, are there some best practices for us dudes who, uh, could be a little gentler during this time for, for women? Yeah. I mean, one, educate yourself as much as possible. Yeah. Um, understand that her, her particular, you know, each of our journeys is individual. It kind of affects our bodies in different ways. You know, about 85% of us have hot flashes, but just realize that it's not her fault. She's not trying to do this. That mood changes are a tremendous part of this. How she feels about her body, how her brain is reacting to a stimulus for intimacy is different. And that there is help and therapy. So like help her find the resources, be available to her, do the research together, get the books, you know, and, and learn about this together because this is the rest of her life. Okay. If, and there's treatment options and, you know, you don't have to be miserable. What about that intimacy piece? That's that's a real mm-hmm. part of this thing, right? And I'm guessing in menopause that dips a little or explain that. Uh, yes. So we do see quite a, le- what we call less sexual feelings or less uh, the libido. So the, when we look at sexual um, disorders in women, a woman comes to me and says, as a doctor, I'm not happy with my sex life. I'm like, okay. So we talk about desire, which is what happens in our brains. 
We talk about arousal, which is the physiologic response to desire. That is when blood flows to certain organs, things become bigger and longer and mucus is made. And so that's what Viagra does. And so most women don't have an arousal issue. Viagra, that's why Viagra doesn't really help with libido in a woman because she doesn't have an arousal issue. For her, it's mostly desire. And so, and in women, we have spontaneous desire and we have reactive desire. And so about 85% or 80% of women will have reactive desire. They need a stimulus. Whereas a man, typically they just wake up and yes, of course, why would I not want to do this? It's amazing. And so, and women were just kind of built differently in that the communication here is so, so, so very important between partners. There's relationship disorders and no medication is going to fix that. Right. You know, if you don't feel loved and supported, you know, by your partner and that, you know, this isn't a time to come together to, to share, you know, intimacy and joy, then, and this is something that is resentful and you feel like it's a job, that's a huge problem. So that's not something medication is going to help with. Um, and there's orgasmic disorders. Some women have never had the, like 10 to 15% of women will never have an orgasm. Mm. And I just, speaking to two gentlemen, can you imagine if that happened in the male population? Like it would be a national emergency. I think the NIH would fund this more <laughs> yeah. than than the war, you mm. know? And so I, it just, it's- She's <laughs> not wrong. No, she's not, <laughs> she's <laughs> not wrong. Like, what? She's some big problems. <laughs> so it's, you know, how society kind of judges- how, how uh, females are expected to like react to the sexual response. So there is, there are medications out there that can be helpful for desire, which is what the majority of most women experience in perimenopause is a decrease in desire. It has nothing to do with her love for her partner or her relationship. It's everything to do with what's going on, a lot to do with what's going on hormonally. There's a great book out there and please link it on your um, podcast called You Are Not Broken by Dr. Kelly Casperson. It's one of the best resources if any couple is suffering from this, I highly recommend that. Um, she's a urologist who specializes in female sexual health. And it's just just so full of good information and lots of information about different pharmacologic options for treatment. Good. Glad I asked. This is great stuff. It's such a great together. conversation because it's all real stuff. And we talk about it on our podcast all the time, Dr. Haver. It's like, well, you can't just sit up here and just talk about imaginary things. Like you, right. you got to hear something that you can put into your life. And yep. that's what you've done all day. No, this is this is incredible. And I'm, I'm so excited for all, all the women out there and, and their partners that are listening so that now we can actually take a much more educated approach to whatever they might be dealing with right now. And yes, there is hope. That's why I want everyone to know who's listening right now. If you're struggling yeah. right now, there is hope. Even if you go to your doctor and the doctor goes, no, nope, I don't even want to talk about it. Well, now there's options and, and, and now you know where to go. Man, so my is mantra is uh, menopause is inevitable, but suffering it's not. I love that. Yeah. I love that. You know, just kind of buttoning a few things up, you did mention, and I think it's, it's important to go here. You've mentioned a couple of times saying, this is the rest of your life. You know, whether mm -hmm. you choose to, you go through, you don't choose, you go through menopause and whether you do want your hormones to drop, or if you do choose something like hormone replacement therapy, here's the question. Is that something a woman needs to do then for the rest of her life? Potentially, okay. uh, if she wants to enjoy the benefits of it. Uh, for example, in uh, one of the newer studies or one of the newer lookbacks of the WHI was performed by the American Heart Association. And they published this in 2020 in Circulation Magazine, where they looked at the risk of cardiovascular disease from the patients who were on hormone replacement therapy in the form of estrogen plus or minus progesterone or not. And the women who were on it had a much lower incidence of cardiovascular disease and death from cardiovascular disease. Actually, HRT was more likely to prevent death than a statin. Wow. You know, 
Yeah. Than Lipitor. Wow. And so, so once, however, once you stop hormone replacement therapy, your risks will go back up to sure. what they were before your genital urinary syndrome, the, the bladder, the, the vagina, all those tissues are highly, highly dependent on estrogen for their health. And when we stop replacing that either through systemic or in vaginal estrogen, then you're going to go back to where you were or, or start you know, experiencing the atrophy and the recurrent UTIs. I'm kind of wondering if guys should be doing this. Do tend to end. Hot flashes will end probably eventually one day. But you know, the the mental health, I mean, there's so many things that um, once we stop the hormone replacement therapy. So, so now there's no age at which you have to stop. We don't say 60 or 65. If you're hearing that, that is wrong. Okay. It is when for you as a female. The benefits, as long as the benefits outweigh the risks for you, you can keep going. And my kids tease me that they're going to like bury me with an estrogen patch on, you know, <laughs> when they dig up my casket, I will be some bones and an estrogen patch and some silicone or something when I, you know, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but you know what you're going to say? That was a hell of a ride because you got yeah. to enjoy all of it. And isn't that the point? As long as yeah. the quality of your life is maxed out, Man, that's, why wouldn't that's you? That's the point of all of this is yeah. that, you know, is that you can actually live a healthier, happier life and be able to climb the mountains and and, and enjoy, you know, and, and not suffer from chronic disease. Your risk is lower yeah. with hormone therapy and sleep and nutrition and, and all the things. Mm. So does, does insurance typically pay for Because I'm sitting over here and I just said to Chris, mm-hmm. while you were talking, I was like, guys should be looking into this hormone re- replacement therapy. Like, it seems like it would benefit us too. Yeah, I'm on So there's HRT. no menopause, but there are, um, men tend to peak at 19, shocker, yeah. of their testosterone <laughs> levels. And it kind of slowly drops off to about 35 or 40. And then you're pretty steady for the rest of your life. Not to say that a man won't benefit because it's funny that men have a massive inter- inter interman variability. So like one guy could be walking around at a thousand at 90 and the other guy is at 300. Now they both may feel fine and never thought they ever needed anything, right. but we do see a tremendous variation from, from man to man, yeah. but it does tend to stabilize at about 40 and then really? drop off. But I, you know, yeah. um, I, I think if, if you need something, you need to go get it, whatever it takes to make you healthier and happier and live a more fulfilled life is what you need to do. Now insurance. Great question. Only the FDA approved versions are covered. So for my patients, I tend to stick with non-oral forms of estrogen, right? Because of that hot, you know, those risks we talked about earlier. So I'm usually doing an estradiol patch, generic, multiple options, super easy to afford. Even without insurance, we're talking 25, 30 bucks a month. Okay. Oral micronized progesterone, five, 10, $12 a month even without insurance. Okay. Testosterone's a little trickier. I usually have to compound that. We're calling around, we're checking prices. I got a great pharmacy close to me, 30, $35 a month. So I can usually get my patient if she needs all three covered for about a hundred dollars a month. Now there's a lot of these clinics popping up all over that are selling these alternative methods and claiming that they're better and safer and all this stuff. Not true. I don't have a, and trust me, I want the best for my patients and I don't want them to be robbed, but you should not be paying hundreds of dollars a month for hormone therapy. There are ways around this. And if Mm -hmm. your doctor is only offering you one option and it's usually a pellet and saying, this is it, this is all I do, then that's a red flag. Their job is to offer you all of your options. And if you two decide that this is your best option, you don't mind paying five times what my patients are paying, that's up to you. You get to spend your money the way you want. 
Good Are there natural ways to be dealing with menopause too? Like, you know, that's something I personally Google from time to time when I get different ailments, you know, I'm like natural ways to, you know, cure a cold or natural ways to fight COVID or we, whatever that is. Are- so I think natural, you know, I'm giving bioidentical hormones back. So right. those are about as natural as you can get. That's They're what I was thinking. Plant-based. So like, like taking out, but they do have to go to a lab to be processed and made, you know, I don't just take yams and rub them on your skin and that doesn't <laughs> actually work. People have tried it. People have put them inside. I've pulled them I out of people's, I've pulled out yams out of people's insides. Wow. Um, thinking that they were helping with menopausal symptoms, but that's not how it works. So um, you have to extract <laughs> the phytoestrogen and then process it to get the... Anyway, so ER stories. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so. good, good to know what people need to watch for as far as, because I know yeah. there's a lot of people promising a lot of solutions out there. There it's- are, and I talk about this in the book, there's a lot of miracle cures out there right now. Mm. Like like the world has realized there's, you know, savvy entrepreneurs have realized there's a pain point and that right. women are desperate. And there's a lot of fake cures out there. Just buyer beware. You know, if it's a miracle cure, if it's, you know, you need a randomized controlled study to get the best data, all these like, I don't want to say brand names, but there's a lot that's popping up on my feed that oh, yeah. I'm like, nope, 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 nope. I'm not sure. helping. <clears throat> Save your right. money. Well, I was going to say, man, look, I, I started HRT six years ago. I, I went and I got tested. For testosterone. Yeah, my test levels, yeah, they were, they were below 150 and I was that exhausted. Is, that, I was, so mine were that exact same. I'm telling you from years of stress, travel, my, it it was just, I was so off and the doctor's like, Hey, you should really consider this. I did. My energy levels are back. I feel incredible. I mean, obviously Mm. I, I can recover from my gym workouts. Like it, it's changed my life. That's why I'm really passionate about this. And I'm, I love this conversation because again, I want to leave it to these, to the authority on this so she can really speak to the, all the ladies out there that are suffering. But yes, if you're, you got to talk to your well, doc. I, t- I took, I started taking the testosterone and I got a little angry on it. Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, you probably got overdosed. So yeah, just, that's I, what we, okay. you know, just have them just do a little bit and then you work your way up slowly and you, you'll find your homeostasis. Yeah. They, right. they literally brought me up to about 600 and I'm good right there. Like my, feel great. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. I mean, some of these guys are, you know, they're off the charts at 1500, 2000, everything. I'm six, 600. I am happy as a clam. All right. <laughs> I'm good. Let's, uh, let's wrap up with Dr. Haver, throw through a little round of, uh, we have, we have three things that we love to do with every single guest. We're going to play, would you rather name that tune? And then we're going to ask you about promises. Okay. All right. Okay. Like I said, a little bit more of an interesting podcast. I'll start with, would you rather while you pull up some music? So would you rather know everyone's death date mm. or read people's minds? Read their minds. Yes. Tell me why. Oh man, I would not want to know when people are going to die. I've lost three brothers and my dad in the last three brothers total. Two brothers and my dad in the last five years, and I, you know, I'd rather know what they're thinking and just deal with it and just yeah. honesty. And, uh-huh. and you know, when you have a chronic illness, you're telling everyone what you're thinking. And so uh-huh. I actually got a peek into <laughs> they, don't, they don't hold back, and it made me a better person. What about you, oh, that's Chris? Awesome. I, I'm going to agree with Dr. Haver here. Yeah, it would be really nice to know what people are actually thinking. Yeah. Because especially like, look, I, I spent a lot of years, you know, dealing with with a bunch of people that I didn't know what they were thinking. And I wish I did know what they were thinking. Yeah, but so. what if, and I'm just going to play devil's advocate because I think I agree with both of you ultimately. But but if you could read everybody's mind, how many times would that influence your decision making? 
Because you oh, would yeah. all now, all of a sudden, you'd be walking into a room and you'd be like, well, what's she wearing that for? Why is he dressed like that? What's he doing? And then <laughs> exactly. all of that stuff might influence how you, how you actually do, do your life. This is true. It, it, it's almost like looking at a social media feed because there's no filter anyway. <laughs> so, yeah. But you'd be getting a live version of it. All right, so we're all three reading people's minds. Yeah, Fair we're, we're reading people's minds. Fair I think enough. so. All right, <laughs> so you, uh, you too, huh? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think so. All right, name that tune. We uh, play you the first three seconds of a song, and we ask you to identify it. Um, you're going to crush this. Do you have an arrow? <laughs> you got to get this. It's ready to go. Okay, it's just too perfect. All right, okay, you ready? Here we mm-hmm. go. <laughs> you were right. You did nail it. Oh my Nelly. gosh. Yes, Come let's on. go. I love him. That is so there good. Go. Yeah. Before we got going, Chris is like, what song should we do? He'll be like, the one that makes the most sense is Nelly's Hot in Here. <laughs> yeah. This is the official song of Menopause. I mean, right? Good stuff. Yes. Well, and she okay. lives in the Houston area and it's freaking hot in her down there too, isn't it? Yes. Nonstop. Yes. All right. Final question about promises. All right. What does keeping, keeping promises to yourself, what does that mean to you? I, that's a tough one because, you know, in this role that I've, as a physician, as a mother, as a, I am always putting my jobs, you know, I'm always putting people ahead of my needs. And I've had to get really granular in menopause to stop doing that because I can't be a, the mother and the partner and the, you know, adult, I'm parenting adults now and, you know, and there for my followers in a way that I need to, unless I put myself first. So like getting up in the morning and carving out that time for me to do meditation and journaling and stress reduction and listening to that voice when it's like, stop, you need a break, you need rest, you're, you're doing too much. And so that's kind of what it means to me. Beautiful. Taking time for herself. We hear that version almost every time we ask the question. Yeah, so necessary. We have to. Yeah, and uh, the reason we keep asking is because we want everybody to understand that that's what it takes to show up as the best version of yourself, is to take care of yourself. And it's for the benefit of everyone around you. The more you love everyone around you, the more you need to take care of yourself first so you can show up for them. I am such a big Dr. Haver fan. That was brilliant. (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you. You're so welcome. Thank you. All right. We'll send everybody your way. We'll have every link she mentioned in this podcast on our show notes. What does the rest of the day look like for you? More podcasts. Oh, good <laughs> okay, for you. good, good. Yeah, spread the word, get the message yeah. out. Real quick, where can people find you on social media? So on Instagram and TikTok and and Facebook, pretty much everywhere, Dr. Mary Claire or the Galveston Diet. We are rebranding to the Pause Life. Um, to make it a more inclusive umbrella of all things menopause. Amazing. So, yeah. I already knew all that because I I followed you for quite some time, but I just want everyone else to hit this subscribe button. Follow Dr. Mary Claire Haver. She is incredible. So find her on social media and please give her a follow. You will not regret it. All right. We'll let you go get on with your next podcast. Have a brilliant day. Thanks, guys. Thank you so much. Sensational job. That was outstanding. And you're right. So now we have a clear understanding of what everybody's going through. 
amazing. I cannot wait to share this information with all of our listeners. Like, holy smokes. I think, I really think we got through. You did. A couple pages. And I think. I checked your notes. Holy smokes. You crushed it. Man, we, we did. We did. And here's the best part. You were asking questions that were already on here, but it was just it oh, really? floating in the car. Yes. <laughs> so it was like, oh, we checked that one off. Check that one off. Too. We, that was awesome. All right. I loved it man. too, man. Thank yes. you guys so much for listening to the I Need of That podcast. Don't forget to follow us on social. We'd love a five star and a review if you have time for it. And we'll see you next time right here on I Need That. See you, Chris. See ya.